All right, welcome to another episode of Australian Survivor Talking Tribal. We're going to be talking this week about Eps 21 and 22. And if you're not up to date, I'm going to give you the chance right now to head to 10 Play and watch them on demand so you know exactly where we're at. In fact, if you've missed any episodes from this season, that's the place to catch up and make sure you know where we're at because things are getting very, very exciting. We're heading down to the pointy end of the season. And as always, to help us talk about the twists and turns and backstabbing, conniving and cunning that goes on in Survivor. People who know the game probably better than any from last year's season. It's King George. Our reigning sole survivor herself, Haley, and a woman who probably has watched more Survivor than anyone else on the planet. It's Shannon Gus, podcaster and Survivor expert extraordinaire. Great to have you on the show, guys. Let's get into it, though. Obviously, massive week. We're down to the top five and some big players missed out. Some players who some people thought may even go all the way. So let's explore exactly what happened this week. Starting off with Mark. Obviously, he got to say goodbye to Sam, his wife, in pretty emotional circumstances there. We spoke earlier on in the season about the fact that losing a loved one could spur you on to greater heights in the game. Do you think losing Sam this close to the end is going to put that extra fire in Mark's belly, guys? Yeah, I love seeing the side of Mark. I mean, I think we've seen him be very stoic, but to see him kind of wrestle with that guilt and obvious sadness at losing Sam and really in making that choice that they both made in sacrificing her, I felt like that was a great element for me to see as an audience member. And I think as well, if he does get to a final tribal council, bringing in a bit of that emotion, showing how, you know, it is about the family, it is about that connection and really the dream that they had together, that might work really well and give some shade to a lot of the strategy and stoicism that he's had so far. I've really enjoyed seeing this tactical side of Mark. He's been someone that has made quite deliberate decisions in terms of decreasing his threat level, decreasing how much of a physical beast he is in the game. And now he's made the ultimate sacrifice. He made a conscious decision not to save Sam and he's propelled himself forward into the end game. And it's time to really see if Mark can navigate his way to that crown that he wants so badly for him, his wife and his family. Yeah, it must be quite tough for Mark because there is a drive to want to win, but to have to sacrifice your wife to make that would be really difficult when your natural instinct is to want to protect and help your wife. But it shows some really good stuff from Mark here because, you know, his instinct is to be quite upset with Josh, but we see him swallow that and step forward and keep working with him, even though he internally is really upset about what Josh has just done. I did find it funny that he had blame for Dave for swinging Josh because Dave swung Josh the day before by making Josh mad at Sam for the reason Jordan went home when it was Dave's vote. So there's like a lot of parallels there around people who actually made a vote in Josh and then Dave before putting it onto someone else. So it was funny to see kind of where that emotion was directed. Now we saw the reward challenge was a night away from camp at a luxury day spa. I mean, anything that uh, isn't you lying on a grass mat is luxury at this point, I imagine. How dangerous is that night away at this stage of the game? Well, I'm delighted to speak about that wonderful day spa that I hold such high regard for in the game of Survivor. But in in terms of spending night away from the camp, James, it is exactly what you do not want to do at this stage of the game. There's a minority of three that left the tribe and that just leaves a golden opportunity for Mark to just fester more discontent with Juicy Dave 
which ended up being his own demise in quite an ironic episode. But it's just like Geordie was celebrating leaving camp. Geordie was celebrating being in a minority three. He should have been protecting his majority of four that he built in the last episode. And maybe he wouldn't have gone home this week. I actually put down Geordie's demise to that wretched day spa. I don't know that I fully agree because I think that there are pros and cons. Like definitely if you leave camp for a whole night, it's definitely extreme. 2019 is like the biggest example we have where Janine takes Pia on this pair award. They go with Simon and Daisy and the other four consolidate a plan that they wouldn't have had time to do had the others not left. So it definitely can kind of leave space for that t- discontent to grow at camp. Um, but I think Geordie did get some stuff out of this. Like everything with Geordie, there are big pros and cons because it's always a big move. He does kind of lose that time with his old allies. He does upset someone like KJ in the transparency of the move to manipulate Shay. But in getting the time with Josh, I think there was good stuff in that. You know, really that connection, I feel probably even saved him around when it goes to a tie and it could easily be him. It's the power of Josh and bringing over Chrissy that I think can protect him. So I think he got a lot out of it, but he also did raise his threat level and give a little bit of time without him. It's, it's always both things with Geordie. I think it was quite clever as well for the boys to jump off and give that choice to Shay because it is this weird thing where you think winning is ideal, but anytime you have to make a choice, it's quite stressful because if you don't make the right choice, then you might be at fault for your own game's demise. And here we see Chrissy gets quite upset with Shay for not taking her. So it's not always the ideal position, as David points out, to be the winner of a challenge like this. I mean, the only benefit that Shay got out of the day spa was literally shaving her armpits and her legs. It was absolutely terminal to her game to go to that day spa. And then from Geordie's perspective, I don't quite agree with you, Shannon. I mean, the most important person in Geordie's game at that stage of the game was Juicy Dave. Geordie could not separate himself from Juicy Dave. So he should have declined Shay's invitation and let Mark, for instance, go to the reward, someone immaterial to his alliance of four, because when Geordie lost Juicy Dave, he lost the numbers and then he ended up getting voted out this week. I do see that, but I think as well, so Juicy Dave is like ready to come for him. And sometimes it's not just sticking to him like glue that's going to stop that. So he's already kind of got one foot out the door. The other thing is Mark has an idol he's protected with. Geordie knows there's two idols likely to play it. Josh is someone, he's a strong player. He comes with numbers. He ends up winning immunity. Chrissy's someone that people aren't thinking about and kind of considering in their end game. So Juicy Dave kind of becomes an option for him and they turn against each other. I think if he sticks with Juicy Dave, just in maybe in a results-oriented way because Josh does win immunity, it could be him then just because there aren't many other options. So I think diversifying his portfolio did work for him. Maybe he should have just stuck with the four. It was unfortunate they broke apart so quickly, but I do commend parts of really trying to play with different people, even though, yes, it, it fractured some connections in that as well. We saw Shay go back on her original decision to take the girls with her on the reward challenge. What do you think about who she decided to take along with her? And maybe most importantly, who she decided to leave behind. I find it quite ironic that Shay decided to take the landscaper Geordie with her because all Shay did by taking Geordie and Josh with her is dig the biggest hole we've ever seen in Australian Survivor. I mean, we just needed the the rest of the place to start singing dig a hole, dig a hole, dig a hole because Shay just dug herself the biggest grave with Chrissy and KJ and their potential votes, she needs to to win over at a final tribal council. Yeah, I think if you look at the pros and cons, the biggest pro to making that deal and having them jump off is that you're definitely going on reward. You don't have to fight it out because they've agreed to it. So 
if you're really putting reward first, which I think she was, and you go with it. But the game cons of doing that, you know, really upsetting Chrissy and KJ as allies, as hopeful jurors for you at a point, or as, you know, even just your reputation in the game, if you're ever going to sit at the end. I think it really made her look played, manipulated, as KJ said, just like really strung along by the boys. And it was a negative perception for her and for Geordie because their games are so clear to everyone that Geordie's manipulation and the way that he's kind of playing people like a puppet and Che being so passive, that was really clear to everyone. So it wasn't a great look, but I hope that she did enjoy the day spa. (laughs) This was quite unique because the players were told before they started the challenge that there would be three people going on this reward. So they could figure out during that that four people would be back at camp and really be clever about knowing if they wanted to make that decision to take people or if they wanted to be the one who was potentially left back at camp with the four. There was a little bit of backlash towards Shay for not taking Chrissy and KJ. What did you think of that? I mean, Dave had an interesting take as well. He thought it should be directed maybe at Geordie, not Shay, which is interesting. I think that's the key point of, of why Geordie couldn't hold his numbers together and why Juicy Dave and Geordie were the pair that went home this week. Juicy Dave was critical to the majority of four that managed to blindside Sam. So Juicy Dave can't get upset with Geordie. And Geordie's demise was that he, he just seems to act on the spur of the moment of raw emotion rather than thinking strategically and tactically. The most important stakeholder for Geordie's game was Juicy Dave. Juicy Dave got upset with Geordie and now they're both gone because of that damn day spa. George versus day spa, name a greater rivalry. I'll wait. (laughs) The rivalry of our time. (laughs) But I think with Geordie, like Geordie is always having fun and that's something I really appreciated and will definitely miss from this season is like the point is he's the joker. So is Geordie going to pass up an opportunity to manipulate someone onto taking him onto a fun reward? No, like Geordie has to play how Geordie plays. And yes, it's more dicey. It's less consolidated. It's less about just sticking with those numbers for sure. But he's going to kind of make the big play and he's definitely going to make the fun play. And just how much he was enjoying leading Shay to that and to getting a great reward with it. Like you couldn't expect Geordie to do anything different. One of the highlights of the day spa was seeing Geordie look like an absolute boss in his white robes drinking that champagne. That was a bit of a fun moment. And you do like seeing that on Australian Survivor when the players just let their guard down and enjoy it. But sometimes you've got to weigh up the pros and the cons. And the real con here was Geordie lost control of the game when he lost Dave's support. And that's what's cost him half a million dollars, a day at the day spa. Hayley, it looked like they were all so excited about just those little things like face washes and nail clippers and shampoo. Can you talk a little bit about your experience in there without any of these mod cons? You know, we don't sort of think about it, but I mean, how do you wash your hair and brush your hair and brush your teeth? How do you stay clean? What do you think are the things you really miss the most on that level? The day spa was actually one of my favorite days that I got to spend out in the bush on Survivor. I was in a very lucky position because it was a 3-3. Three, three. three went on the reward and three didn't. Um, so it didn't affect my game and I held true to my alliance and they didn't sway me. So I could just like sit back and enjoy all those amenities. And yeah, the ability to wash your hair and wash your body and it's all actually really, really lovely. You know, it's not more important than the game and the end game, but it is like a really nice refresher. I thought what was really helpful for me was nail clippers. You wouldn't think about it, but the only way to cut your nails out there is to rip them with your teeth and then file them back with a stone. And that is not nice. So if you ever cut them properly, it's actually wonderful. I actually thought I would sleep all night in the bed 
uh, just like straight through because it was so comfortable. But what you end up doing is getting up every single hour to keep eating the food that is there because you are just trying to fuel yourself for every minute you can. So uh, yeah, I didn't sleep very well, but I ate a lot. <laughs> that definitely helped for my end game and winning a bunch of challenges. We saw this week that Mark played his idol and part of the reason he did that was that Shay sort of gave him a bit of a subtle hint that he might be on the chopping block. Hayley and George, I wanted to ask you guys, how tricky is it when you're dealing with a complex vote not to ever give away anything, no hints or tips or tipping your hat about what's coming up? I think by this stage of the game, everyone has had a lot of practice trying to not reveal plans. Um, it's really important that if you know someone has an idol, you don't spook them into playing it. So this really is a bit of a misstep here in that, you know, Shay's kind of telling Mark that he needs to play his idol. Unless Shay's plan is to keep Mark around, which would be a very strange plan because he really needs to get him out of this game. I do give Mark a lot of credit here. I think Mark is very good at staring into someone's eyes and getting the truth out of them. Um, he would be very intimidating to have these one-on-one conversations with. So I think he is really the one that I would give props to in this situation. I think there's a couple of ways to look at this. First and foremost, Mark is a master interrogator. He really is bringing out every single skill he learned in the special forces out to the fore and using it to perfection. And in this case, it's obtaining information from Shay, who has a very different lived experience out in the real world, to Mark, Shay, who has had um, an experience in the game where she's been on the bottom, she doesn't seem to have close social bonds to any players, and then she let the cat out of the bag really quickly. But what does Mark do from his perspective? At seven and six players left, he has to play both idols back-to-back irrespective. You have to take the safety first approach here and just get to the top five. Sometimes players seem to focus solely on getting to a final tribal council and they never make it there. But Mark has to do what he does, irrespective of Shay letting the cat out of the bag and just play both idols. So this week we saw Dave play a bit of a role. It emerged that he's a bit of an emerging power player, I guess, in a sense, and it resulted in him getting the vote. What do you think about that move? Was he really a threat that needed to go? I don't think that Dave was a bigger threat than Geordie, especially when they go to that tie. I do think he had come into his own in the last few episodes. Some of the things like his read on Geordie with the reward and definitely pulling Josh across last week were absolutely his best moves in the game. But I think that Geordie gets by on his relationships. He has made the deal with Josh that's going to get him around further. Chrissy's in that. Geordie's aligned with Shay. Like that's already a majority. So for me, yes, they can pitch it on the thread of Juicy Dave. But for me, it was more about Geordie's relationships. But I do love the symmetry of Survivor that Dave is the last OG blood. He was the first OG blood that was voted for. He was also the only effective idol play until now. And he just went out on the next effective idol play. So, you know, what goes around comes around sometimes on Survivor. It's a real 50-50 decision from Mark and Josh's perspective on who is a bigger threat in the game. Because at this stage of the game, you really have to start thinking, if you get to a final tribal council, who is a more likely winner? So when I think back to Haley and my season, our perception on the ground was that if Wade got to a final tribal council, she would be more likely to win than either me or Haley. And that was our perception of what the jury would kind of value and give their votes to at the end of the day. And whilst Geordie's been very bombastic since he got voted out, 
He also is someone that the players haven't necessarily believed. So that might not translate to a final tribal council vote. So if you've got Mark and Josh sitting back at camp, weighing up, Juicy Dave on one hand, who, yes, has been quiet and, you know, the juice has been hard to extract until this very last moment in the game, or Geordie, who is perceived as untrustworthy, perhaps a final tribal council jury would have voted for Juicy Dave. Now, Juicy Dave was the target. He's gone. And in the very next episode, Geordie went. Really, the downfall of both Juicy Dave and Geordie is that they didn't stick together after the Sam vote. But, hey, that's all up in the ifs and the buts of Australian Survivor, and that's what we're here to kind of commentate on. Yeah, I think at this stage of the game, it can be kind of hard as a viewer to see who is the most threatening. Sometimes we feel like someone's played a really big game and someone's played a small one, but on the ground, it feels different. And all that matters is not what us as viewers think, it's what the jury is perceiving. So if the feeling on the ground here is that David is a bigger threat, then this vote makes a lot of sense to put him out before Geordie. Geordie talks about the fact that he played his best game. Do you agree? In my subjective view, I wouldn't say that Geordie had played the best game of everyone left. He had been voted out and not through twists or anything like that. Like he was meaningfully on the bottom, lost the power and was voted out. So I don't think that he played the best game. But if we're talking about threat level, especially compared to someone like Juicy Dave, I actually think Geordie did have the best shot at the end. And maybe that's kind of a restricted view as, as a viewer and not someone who's out there. And we'll talk a bit about it later in terms of final tribal council speeches. But we talk a lot about resume. Really often what it comes down to is not resume as much as pure, consistent story. And Geordie had something really real to pitch the jury. That is how he kind of never gave up, galvanized the people on the bottom, was always fighting. And an un- he was an underdog. And juries and most people love to root for an underdog. So I think he had something really significant to, to present to a jury. Not necessarily the best game that someone maybe like Josh or Mark probably who have the most resume points to pitch, but he could really come in there and sell them a story. I tend to agree with you, Shannon. I mean, and I've never been on a jury, but when I assess somebody's game, I look at the entire game. And from my perspective, Geordie was in cruise control for the majority of the game. When we got to that tribe swap phase of the game, he decided to pick off, in his words, the small, weak women. And then he lost control of the game, gets voted out. And then, yes, he came back. The three people that came back decided to band together. But he lost control of the numbers after one episode because he wanted to go on a day spa with Shay. So he has a story, yes. Was it a better story than, say, Mark and Josh, who have really been in control of the game from day one to where we are today? I don't quite think so. But in Survivor history, you see a player like Geordie win very often, someone who's been in the minority alliance, whose allies are possibly on a jury because they've been voted out and this is like the lone member who's made it further on, someone who can just kind of sell the struggle and how hard it was, and Geordie personifies that. Like, I really think people would have gotten behind that, and even though I would put other games above his, like, I I think he was the number one person you didn't want to sit next to at a final tribal council. Yeah, I agree. I think Geordie had played a game that would have given him a lot to talk about at the end. Like if you want to vote for someone who's won some immunities, he's done that. He's learnt from his mistakes and tried to improve his game. He has a bit of an arc that he can talk about. He voted people out, but also he hasn't got a lot of people on the jury that he's, they're there at his hand. So he doesn't have a lot of blood on his hands. So he would have had a nice shot had he been able to get that far. So I do understand why everyone was looking towards him as a threat to vote out. Geordie no doubt was a potential winner, but 
to to sit down and say you've played the best game is very different to say that you're the most probable winner. So from Geordie's perspective, he is someone that was not able to maintain control and to hold an alliance together. And control and stability are probably the two hardest things to maintain over 47 or 48 days in the game of Australian Survivor. It's what Josh has done very well. It's what Mark has done very well. And to give her credit, it's it's what Chrissy has done very well. It's to keep positive relationships and to maintain the numbers over the long term. And Geordie just couldn't do that. Yeah, but it is about what the jury wants and perceives and values. So, you know, if, if that was um, Geordie's game, then everyone would have been in a fair bit of trouble. Let's talk about KJ. Now, she tried to blindside Geordie and then he told her, just come and talk to me if you get confused again. Wouldn't Geordie be the last person that she would have talked to? I thought that was a very particular choice of words from Geordie. If somebody said those words to me, I wouldn't have taken to them too kindly. Maybe that's part of the reason why Geordie couldn't maintain control over his minority alliance. It's KJ's choice to do what KJ wants to do. And if KJ decides to vote for Geordie at the last minute, then something has gone wrong in the stakeholder relationship between Geordie and KJ for that to happen. From KJ's perspective, I think she handled that conversation really well. I think KJ is looking prime at this stage of the end game where she's not an obvious target. She's someone that you wouldn't mind sitting next to at the final tribal council, but she's also got a very good story to tell in the sense that she's been targeted and she survived. She put herself in that position of president of the boys club at tribe swap. She's always got an open ear to someone like Josh, the leader of the majority Alliance. And I like KJ's prospects of success right now. Yeah, KJ is doing something that is very important to do in Survivor, which is never burn your bridges. So if Geordie came to her and said, um, why'd you vote for me? And she was like, I want you out. <laughs> like, it's not a good strategy. Like, you want everyone to think I could possibly work with you in the future. So she's keeping that door open, which is a very smart thing for her to do. Yeah, it's awkward because KJ has obviously voted against her allies. So that's an awkward interaction. It was unfortunate for KJ that her read was wrong in the sense of the vote. She goes on the revote and she's the only one to vote for Geordie. She's the only one who sticks with the non-reward four that I'm calling them who had the plan to vote for Geordie. And Juicy Dave has gone home and she's the only one to come back to camp with that. So I feel for KJ this week, she was a bit back and forth. Like she votes for Mark, who's kind of in that non-reward group. She goes for him as the primary on that split. Then she turns on Geordie. I admire that... She has a bit of space to move. She knows that. She knows the guys are focused on each other so she can kind of play her own game in the shadows and she's taking swings with that. I just feel it was a little messy to get there. And yeah, for me, it's just kind of the the wrong read when every other person is voting for Dave. But I admire that she's taking swings. It just made it a little awkward back in camp. I want to talk about Mark's second idol when he finally revealed it. It was pretty epic. What were your reactions to that? I really liked watching the validation on the face of someone like Jesse being like, see, I've been telling you this for ages. I was really happy for them to get that validation that that exists. Yeah, I thought that this was like quite an epic way to, to play that idol, quite a dramatic way um, to really say this is going to take out Geordie. I felt quite bad for Geordie in that moment, like you're taking the wind out of my sails and I know now that I'm going home. And then also, look, it wasn't necessary, which is fine. I think it is sensible for Mark to play that idol, be it necessary or not. And why not make a bit of a show of it? Because you are in front of a jury now and it is their perception of you that matters. I think what I enjoyed watching the most was seeing Sam, and she's only four foot 11, 
just get smaller and smaller and smaller as Mark started talking about the ghost of Jesse. It was quite enjoyable to watch, but Mark had no option there. He has to play the idol irrespective. The pragmatic and the smart thing to do is to just get to the top five and then chance your arm when you get there. Nothing would have been worse than going home with an idol with six players left and only three days left in the game. He did the right thing. I'm going to disagree a bit here and say that I feel like I I agree on the fact that Mark can just play the idol, be defensive, get to the final five, better safe than sorry for sure. But the speech, I had my head in my hands because Jordy was not going from the runoff votes. Jordy was going unanimously to the point where Jordy is voting for Shay. And Jordy, the whole tribal council, knows he's going so much that he's joking with Mark about like, sorry that you're gone, Mark, because he's so done. So for me, for Mark to just stand up and say, better safe than sorry, let me play this idol, that's totally fine. But for to do the speech and to call his shot, which no one is asking him to do, was such an unforced error. And for me, was such a bad read of that tribal council where Geordie was so gone that he might have to answer to that at some sort of final tribal council just about kind of how badly he was misreading that play. Yeah, I'd love to talk about how Mark revealing his second idol is going to impact his relationships with Chrissy and Josh seeing as though he'd lied through his teeth through the whole time. I don't think at this stage of the game, it's going to really matter. I feel like alliances are done. We were at the final five. It's now all about relationships of convenience. So they come out with technically a majority of three. If they need him, they will use him regardless of the lie. So I don't think that that's the kind of thing, the kind of betrayal and distrust is going to rock anything right now. If you have distrust in him, you just have to work with him to your mutual benefit for a couple more episodes. And I don't think something like this socially can really impact that at this very late stage of the game. I think there is potential that this could have a negative impact because he's been playing very closely with Chrissy. And from what I can see, Chrissy is playing a loyalty game where that's what she's valuing very highly. And she's playing with Josh and Mark. And so for Chrissy to have some kind of egg on her face, to not know that this second idol existed and to have been you know, parading to say, it's not true, it's not true, and now it is, um, it could make Chrissy feel a bit upset with Mark, which could push her more strongly towards Josh. And if that happens and we're at this end game and she's having to make choices, then maybe that won't work in Mark's favour. I think there is a bit of risk from Mark's perspective that the jury could not take too kindly to the fact that they were deceived by him and Sam and that the idol did exist and he just played it in that bombastic way that he did. But I also tell myself this. I look at the jurors. Khan is a huge fan of Australian Survivor. Mel is a huge fan of Australian Survivor. He's got his wife there. And then Geordie himself is a huge fan of Australian Survivor. They might respect the art of outplaying, outwitting and outlasting by continuing that lie as long as Mark did. If I'm on that jury, I would respect that. I wouldn't hold a grievance by that, but different strokes for different folks. Last week on Talking Tribal, we chatted about the Perga 3 and maybe them having a bit of a powerful role going forward, but that dissolved pretty quickly with Geordie being voted out by KJ and Shay and I mean, Geordie even voted for Shay as well. Did you think that that was going to explode as quickly as it did? Yeah, I did expect that this Perga 3 would have really good reasons to want to stick together. Um, I think that they would be more likely to have a successful outcome in the end if they did stick together. 
So really, I expect what players are doing at this end stage of the game is making choices that are in their best interest. <laughs> um, it's not always what happens, but um, were they to do that, I suspect it would have been smarter to stick together a little bit longer and try to get someone who hasn't been to Purgatory out of the game. I think the Perga 3 plus Juicy Dave was a golden ticket for someone like Geordie to win half a million dollars, and frankly, he blew it because of a day spa. The, the fact that they didn't hold together a majority of four out of seven at this stage of the game is shocking. I was in a state of disbelief when Juicy Dave flipped back one day later after voting out Sam, and then I'm not sure what's going through his mind. He's just created all this bad blood with Mark and Josh by flipping on the alliance that held together for so long to turn on Geordie, and um, it was just... Um, dumbfounding. I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. With four out of seven, you've got to look each other in the eye pragmatically and say, let's just do it for two more votes and then work out what to do. And it didn't happen. And they both went home. Yeah, I think Dave got a bit of the flipping bug. And maybe that is a good reason that they were taking him out. Like not only had he kind of come into his own, but he'd done it in a really unpredictable way that other people could really suffer for. So I do see parts of that. But I also feel like firstly, you know, the four of them not that maybe this was the catalyst because they seem to all really kind of want to flip on each other, but they were a bit snookered in the fact that even if they take out Chrissy at that first vote, and again, we're being results oriented because they don't know this, but Josh is winning both immunities this week. Mark is protected in both votes this week. There's actually no way for all four to come out of this week in the way that it kind of ended up playing out. And then they also have their own contingency plans. I think that KJ and Shay with her are really looking at and hoping for this all girls thing. So that's kind of becoming their priority and kind of doing that behind the scenes. Jordy's got his own thing with Josh and these two power players who can kind of work together across the aisle. So they were kind of stepping out of that relationship probably a little bit too much to keep it really, really packed in. But yeah, I mean, it looks like from last week when Sam goes, like that could be the four. But I think just their own agendas and situationally just meant that that couldn't happen. I think the biggest misstep was actually Geordie's obsession with targeting Mark. I mean, you really have to be sitting down there and factor in that it's highly probable that Mark will take the most conservative approach and play the first idol when we had seven players left. Like, that is the most obvious thing to do. When he was down to a 50-50 situation, you could question whether he'd play it or not, but he's always playing it at the top seven. So why would you target him? Geordie needed to do what you said, Shannon. He needed to hold together his four and take out the consensus target in Chrissy. Then that frees up Josh, and then you have more options moving forward, and then you can work out what to do. I think Geordie was blinded by getting revenge for Jesse. He got that. Sam's gone out of the game. But do you know what? You have to start looking forward into the future. And he kept looking to the past, and I think that along with the day spa, led to his demise. But at the same time, like, I don't know that the numbers for Chrissy are ever there. Like, I think she's a really big part of the endgame of KJ and Shay, who are major numbers for Geordie. I think it's a tough spot. I think what's underrated and what we actually haven't got to is how great Josh was this week. For me, he was absolutely the strategic star of the week. Like, he's the one who throws out Juicy Dave on the split. Um, because Dave is not essential to his plan or to his relationship with Geordie and kind of the people that they're protecting. Like he's the one pushing forward th- these votes. He's keeping himself protected with immunity. If he ends up getting, you know, two idols out, Mark's doing his own stuff in that, but two idols leave. Geordie is the biggest physical threat is taken out. He got so much done this week, honestly, as someone who came into the week kind of having worked with no one, with the double play with Sam, I thought he was next out. And the, the power that he built to get back to what is now a majority 
keeping Chrissy in and she's doing her own stuff too, but really keeping that power and pushing his own agenda. I feel everyone else probably has some, some questionable decisions this week, but Josh, I felt was, you know, other than not believing the idol for so long, I thought he was pretty much perfect. Each week in this series, we've been having a segment called World of Survivor with Shannon, our resident expert. And as we get so close to that big grand final, just a couple of weeks away, we thought we'd explore what happens at the grand final and those final jury speeches, how big an impact they have and just what a role they play in making sure that you either make it as sole survivor or you're an also ran. Shannon, we talk a lot about the final resume. Can you talk a little bit about that and what impact it has? Yeah, the Survivor Jury is the lifeblood of the show. Sending people out and then asking them to give you money is what makes the show so great and complex. And we as super fans have definitely psychologically studied it over the last two decades. So I think some key things that you would want is, as we said before, it's not necessarily a resume. It can be really story, not, you know, giving the checkpoint, but really selling yourself to the jury in a way that they can understand and digest and want to vote for. So one thing that they really want is consistency. You want to be able to present yourself to the jury in a way that they, again, can understand and know that you understand yourself and kind of what you were trying to get out of your game and then doing those things well. Another thing that's important about juries is that it's often more about them than it's about you. They've lost, their egos have been hurt. So how can you make them feel good about voting for you when you've sent them out of the game potentially? How can you make them feel that you would be the best representative of their season and that you don't make their loss feel too harsh? So one thing you can do is kind of pick a subject that you feel that you can really sell you were the best at. A good example is Cochrane in US Survivor. He sold that he was the best at timing. That's something they can understand and digest, but not feel so bad about themselves that they were worse at timing because that's really a meaningless thing to them. So it's about picking what you're good at, selling yourself well, not overstating yourself and not making the jury feel worse about themselves as people who aren't there instead of you. With that in mind, looking at those final five, who has the best resume? Who has a compelling resume? I think Josh does. I think that he has kept the plane flying, the machine rolling, really just this kind of group together when he's needed to. And even in losing power against really mechanisms of the game, he has really wrestled it back, which I think has been very impressive. Mark has been good too, and he's done a lot of that with Sam. Them as a pair have, I feel, really kind of steamrolled the game in part, so that's been really impressive. And if it is the three women, which I would find really refreshing and fun kind of against what has been a boys-led theme of this season, I feel that would be really interesting because I think Chrissy represents kind of the social game. Shay would absolutely personify the physical game. And KJ is kind of those fun little strategies. So they'd all kind of have their own part. But if I had to bet on anyone at a final tribal council right now, I would think Josh has it. I agree. I think Josh and Mark both equally have a really powerful speech to give to the jury that is quite similar, really. They've made many moves together. They've been in this majority together. So it'll be, it would be interesting if they had to differentiate their games at the very end. You know, Mark has had the idols um, and he's played very well with Sam, but we've also seen that Josh has had incredible relationships. He's always talking to everybody on the tribe. So I think that would be really complex to, to see who would take it out of those two if they both made it to the end. I think from my perspective, if I'm on the jury and I see this five candidates presented before me, I'd be willing to vote for four of them. I'd be willing to vote for Mark and Josh because they've been so dominant strategically and they've been in control of the game basically from the outset from very different perspectives. 
I've been really impressed with how Chrissy has navigated the game. She's someone that has played to her strengths, which is relationships and holding bonds together. And you should never underestimate how difficult it is to make people work together for a cause. And I think Chrissy has done that very subtly. The other subtle game that I've been really impressed with for all 40 plus days has been KJ's. KJ has shown crude survival instinct by never being anything worse than the secondary target. And if you think back, she only got voted off because it was a double tribal council and she didn't have the chance to work her magic and move herself up. Just one rung up from the bottom. But the person that kind of doesn't resonate with me is Shay. Shay is someone that would have a very difficult case to present before a jury. She's been on the bottom, not because of circumstance, but because of bad choices and blunders. And um, I think she's got a difficult road ahead of her. All right, Shannon, I'm going to put you on the spot. I mean, you've watched every survivor known to man. Can you think of a particular final jury speech that you've watched and you've thought they've absolutely nailed it? Yeah, there are some that definitely stand out in Survivor history. And it's really cool for the Australian franchise that probably the one that everyone looks to globally of any speech is probably Christy Bennett, our own first winner of Australian Survivor, who maybe turned around like eight whole votes to win 8-1 in that final tribal council. She came in and owned that she was underestimated. She had an answer for everything. Um, She sold kind of her understanding, her longevity, the struggles, her awareness, beyond what I thought anyone else would have thought she was capable of. And I know that people were kind of pushing back against the mateship thing with Lee. So, you know, she kind of had that leg up, but it was really completely on her. She knew herself so well and that she could really articulate it. So she had a brilliant speech. Todd from Survivor China is always known to have had a brilliant speech. He really did kind of play it up for the jury um, in talking about their threat level and excusing the moves and even shutting down some of the jurors who came in angry. Um, He left them a little speechless with the fact that he convinced them so well. And Chris Doherty is someone as well that is looked to. He came in, he kind of fell on his sword. He was emotional. He was apologetic, but it was all strategic. He knew that's what the jury wanted. They needed that emotion from him and they needed to feel good about it. And he really shows the fact that every jury is different. It's about knowing your jury. Do they want morality? Do they want gameplay? Do they want emotion? Do they want stoicism? Every jury is made up of different humans, obviously, who need different things. So if you look at kind of these different ways of pitching it, you see that it's um, very dynamic in that way. And the person who will win will be the person who's aware of their jury often the most. What about on the flip side, Shannon? Can you think about a few examples maybe where someone who played an incredible game got to the final jury and just bombed with their speech? Yeah, there are a few examples of people who have lost twice at the final tribal council. So those examples come to mind from Australian survivor Sean lost twice. And it was particularly in that first game against Shane where she laid out the framework of loyalty, but then couldn't answer to it, started to backtrack and stumble. And again, it's, it's that lack of consistency. She wasn't selling a game that she could back up. And then it became inconsistent and people didn't have something that they could rally behind. Amanda Kimmel lost two seasons back to back. She, again, she kind of comes in with that softness, apologetic. She doesn't stand behind her moves with strength. So that's been something to lose. Russell Hans lost twice. He doesn't really respect the emotions of the jurors. Um, He doesn't come in kind of apologetic about the way he's made them feel. And he stands completely behind his own value system, which is pure strategy without really copying to some of the social missteps that he has had. So that's not really fared him well two times. I will say in terms of someone kind of fumbling the ball at the very last moment, 
in the last season of Survivor South Africa. Um, spoiler alert if you haven't checked it out, but you should. It's a great season. Smash came in possibly looking like the winner, but his opponent, Nicole, she had a really consistent game to sell. You know, it was clear. It was social. She knew the framework of what she wanted to say, and she ticked that off well. Smash, he had a game where he overstated what he had done. And again, it wasn't consistent. It wasn't something that the jury could really buy. And you really have to sit in that sweet spot between not overestimating yourself so the jury are rolling their eyes. It undermines the moves that you've made because you're just claiming all the other moves that the jury feel that they should take credit for. But you also don't want to undersell yourself, which we've also seen in Survivor South Africa, claim that it's all luck and that it all wasn't you. You need to find that sweet spot of showing the jury that there are parts that you couldn't control. There are parts that were luck. There are parts that were timing. But then there was also a hefty dose of skill that you can back up. And that's the formula. We've sort of touched on the importance of the fact that although you've probably had to eliminate everyone who's sitting there on the jury, you don't want to feel like they're completely burnt. Do you think there's anyone who's at risk of not having respect from the jury? I think it depends on how they could go. I mean, you could be bitter at the big players like Josh and Mark for sending you out. You could disrespect a game like Shave that hasn't had as much control or even someone like KJ in that, people who have been sent to purgatory. I don't think that this is going to be a quote-unquote bitter jury. This seems like, you know, a, a nice group of people who seem to respect the game, as George was saying, a lot of fans in there as well who... I think we'll, you know, hopefully want to respect gameplay. And I don't think any of the gameplay this season has been beyond the line or disrespectful or cruel in any way so far. So I think that they will look at the moves and hopefully reward that. Haley and George, you've both been in this situation before having to deliver that final speech. How were the nerves for you guys when you stood up there and made your pitch? Yeah, I was terrified. It's a really scary thing to do because you haven't, been able to communicate with these people and you don't know how they feel about you you can assume what you would think and you've lived with them for a long time so you kind of know their value structure but um yeah you really don't know how they're going to respond if they're going to be firing nasty questions at you or not and so it's this balance of you have to go in with confidence because they're not going to want to reward you if you come in meek and unsure about what you're saying so you have to be confident even though you might not feel confident yeah, I, I agree with you, Haley. I think when you pick up that torch and you walk down to the tribal council and you know this is the end, you kind of have this kind of like out-of-body experience. For me at first, and I remember turning to you, Haley, and going, can you believe that we're here, both of us? We, we're the same age, Haley and I, so we basically had the same kind of like childhood experience of US Survivor. And then it's just this glorious moment where you kind of have it out. From my perspective, I think it's about knowing your electorate and kind of like targeting the pitch where there are swing votes up for grabs and sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't. That was kind of my lived experience. But I think the best moment from my perspective at the final tribal council is when you hear JLP say the words, it's now time to vote for the winner because then you just relax and you go, finally, it's done. I felt like it took until the last person had had their vote and sat back down until I could be like, okay, game face is off. Like I can stop now. And that's a weird feeling because after 48 days, like to stop, it's like, that's not normal. It's normal to be in a game. So it is amazing when it ends. I will say we'll be exceedingly lucky to get even anything close to a final tribal council matchup like we did with Haley and George. I mean, to get two players like that, just even on a season, I'm not just saying that because they're here, you know, I'm honored to speak with them every week, but to get even two players like that on a season let alone fighting it out at the end, is still a moment that gives me absolute chills. If we can get anything close to that next week, we will be very, very lucky viewers. 
and I'm praying to the Macedonian Jesus that we do. And having done it before, what advice would you have given? I did a lot of studying of final juries before I went out there. I love the final jury part of the game, so um, it's fun to really pull that apart. The things that I think are really important are you don't have to be perfect. You can, you can own faults, try to make them small, but you don't have to be perfect. The jury certainly didn't play a perfect game. Second, I would say when you're owning your achievements, be very specific. Don't be vague. Just be very specific in highlighting the moves that you've made that are really good. Be humble. Own when things were inclusive and you weren't the only one to make the move and everyone did it together. That's okay. And finally, yet differentiating your game from the person you might be sitting next to or the people you're sitting next to. Being specific about how your game is different because they're looking for someone to vote for that is unique. Yeah, and I think the only kind of piece I'll add into Haley's is having been a campaign director in state elections, you really have to target your votes where they're up for grabs. If you know you've got a good part of the electorate, then you focus on positive messaging there. If you've got negative part of the electorate and limited resources, you've really got to target it where you think there are votes up for grabs. And it'll be interesting to see what happens on this season of Australian Survivor because this is a very open jury dominated by fans of the game and I can't wait for next week's finale. Now let's hand over to George, who got to chat with this week's Eliminator contestant, Geordie. Geordie the Joker, welcome to Australian Survivor Talking Tribal. You were such a big character. You were so much fun to watch. How does it feel now that the game's ended for you? It's it's sad. It's sad because it, it's nice to reminisce on how much fun I had, you know, but it, it onwards and upwards will continue having fun in other ways. Well, let's take you back a few months now. What actually made you want to apply for the game of Australian Survivor? I think, you know, growing up watching it with my brother, we sort of, you know, I always saw it as an opportunity to, like, I always thought I, I'd do well. I, you know, you as a couch expert, you can sit there and go, you know, this, I reckon I could do this. I reckon I could do quite well. And I reckon it looks like heaps of fun. So that's why I applied. But, you know, when you get in there, you realise it's, it's, <laughs> it's much harder than, than what you think. You were such an active player, which made you so exciting to watch. What do you think your most successful move was in the game? Oh, that's tricky that, you know, there was a lot of sort of intricacies that played into a lot of it. But for me, I think perhaps the Sandra getting rid of the Queen of Survivor is, is something I'm pretty proud of, but also maybe even better. Once Jesse got booted, my sole goal <laughs> was to not only have heaps of fun, but also it was always nice to get a little bit of revenge on Sammy. You know, like I love it a bit, but that felt really, really good. What was your plan at Merge before you realised that Mark and Sam had decided to vote off Jesse? So once I found out that Mark had the idol, I thought, oh, this is good. You know, I can have a bit of fun with this. I might be able to sort of, sort of tear apart that majority a little bit. So I told Josh that Mark was going to, that had, he had the idol, right? Mark had told me that he was going to make a move on Josh with that idol. And then Josh had said, you know, previously, just before merge, he'd said to me, should we make a move on Mark? And I thought, great, this is excellent. If I use that bit of information to tell Josh about the idol, we can sort of stir this up a little bit. So the actual plan was myself, Mark, 
Sammy and Jesse and a little crew that we'd got together was to take out Josh with that idol. However, it didn't quite, didn't quite work out that way. You know, it was a good plan. It, it, it had all the right sort of little details. It was fairly complicated, but I think that's what made it so fun. Didn't quite work out the way we thought it did. Joey Foss, to take you back to that moment in time, because it was such a pivotal moment in the entire end game. Did you have any indication that Mark and Sam had decided to go separate ways from yourself and Jesse at that point? It was only, I really trusted them. I really did. You know, because they're very clever. They're a very clever couple. It was only just before tribal. I was sort of sitting there going, oh, if I sort of played out worst case scenario and I thought, oh, if they, all they have to do is flip on us and just tell Josh that that was the plan. And this is game over. You know, it's all over. Because I thought, it's really interesting. They didn't want me to win immunity, and I did. And then I realized Jesse was very exposed. And I realized that Sammy had been telling us all day that we didn't need to play Jesse's idol. And I thought, oh, this could go bad. And it wasn't actually until Jesse mentioned that he mentioned, he whispered to me at Tribal, he said, Sammy's got the idol in her bag. And I thought, oh, no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. This is bad. And then as soon as Jesse's name got read out, though, just the one time, as soon as I saw his name, I thought, oh, this is it. It's done. I was right. This is not gone to plan. But, you know, you got to have a dig. You know, I, I wouldn't change anything about that. I wouldn't, you know, we... We came to play hard and have fun. And that's exactly what we did. It didn't, that move, that move itself didn't work out. But, you know, it was still a good time. It's a really good time. Do you think that Jesse getting voted out was uh, retribution by Mark and Sam for you telling everybody about Mark's idol? Oh, that's interesting. No, it wasn't retribution. It was just them trying to play the safest game they could, you know, which made sense. Like they, they felt as though we were dangerous. You know, we were trying to make moves early. And having said that, it wasn't that early. No one had really done anything up until that point. And so we were the ones that decided we were going to turn the game on its head, you know, and, and they saw that as an opportunity to shop us around, which makes sense. Like it, it worked for them. It, it did work. So I wouldn't say it was retribution. They tried to say it was retribution, but I've had conversations with them and they've said, you know, it, we were we were dangerous. You know, we were, Jesse had played hard, and I'd sort of come in swinging to merge. So it was smart of them to do what they did, realistically, because we were going to be hard to stop once we turned that majority on its head. It was a good move. Now, Jordy, I'll take you back, and it's the audience watching back these episodes at home, and we're seeing you say at every single tribal council. Mark has two idols and Sam stole Jesse's idol. How does it feel now that you've watched it back or taking it back when the game was playing there that nobody believed you about Jesse's stolen idol? Oh, mate, you have no idea. It was so frustrating, but it was also really funny. Like it was really, really entertaining. That's the thing. That's the thing about this game is you can get so wound up and you know, if I was to get caught up about no one believing me, you know, you could see you could get very upset. But it was actually quite funny and really quite entertaining. So I sort of enjoyed it a little bit, like just knowing in my head, I knew, I knew. And so it was really funny to watch it all happen around me and people stressing out and, you know, people getting really wound up about it. It was quite funny. 
yeah, you just can't take it all too seriously. You know, you've got to, like, if you're not there to have fun, what are you doing? You know? Why do you think the players never believed you out there? Oh, <laughs> I think, you know, like, I, I looked pretty, I was a pretty wild character, you know? <laughs> I sort of, um, I can see why they would trust a man from the military over myself, a cheeky, fun-loving guy is probably not as trustworthy as an SAS soldier, you know? So like, it's, it makes sense. Like what, why would you, why would you believe me? You know what? Having said that though, I had nothing to lose. So that played in both fields. You know, people saw the fact that I had nothing to lose as, you know, a threat and as someone that could be untrustworthy, but also if I had nothing to lose, what, you know, why would I not just go around telling the truth? So yeah, it was interesting, but yeah, it's good fun. Great. So on Sunday night's episode, we saw you take control of the Misfits Alliance and you decided to make Mark the primary target of your vote, despite the fact that he had two idols. Do you regret making Mark the target there when you could have sent somebody else home? No, nah, not at all. Not at all. I, um, I had made the deal with Josh in the spa retreat that we were going to keep each other safe. And so that meant that we could have a dig at Mark, you know, let's have a go because the bloke's got an idol. Well, he's got two idols. He's got two idols. He's really dangerous. The best thing we could do is at least just have one crack, you know, have a go. And then worst case scenario, Dave went home because I trusted the guys. I knew that they would back me in and Josh made a deal. He's a trustworthy character. So I was sort of, um, I knew that worst case scenario, we'd send Dave home because the other thing was Dave was shopping myself, Mark and Josh around. Like he was going to the girls and saying, yeah, cheeky Dave. Bloody juicy Dave. We, he was going around telling the girls that they had to send myself, Josh, and, and Mark home. So best case scenario, Mark went home with his idols. Worst case scenario, Juice went home after having shopped my name around. You know, like, it was actually best case scenario. And realistically, George, my number was up for about two weeks, mate. You know, like, I, I had nothing to lose. Like, I was, I was done. You know, like, no one trusted me. Everyone knew I was a threat. No one really wanted to sit there at the end with me. And they've said that. And they, you know, they were saying that throughout the game. So, and I understood that. Like, it, I, I was put in a position that meant I had to battle. And that's always going to look good to the jury. The jury's always going to love that. And I knew I had the jury in the palm of my hands. And they knew that too. So, yeah, it, my number was up, George. Like, it was, it was all over, mate. So, I was just having a crack. I was taking a swing wherever I could. You took big swings as well, Geordie. So, Geordie, in your last episode, we saw Mark stand up and play the ghost of Jesse, the secret second idol. What is going through your mind at this point? Uh, well, in the end, he really didn't have an option. We didn't give him an option. You know, he knew we were coming for him. And, you know, why would you not play it? So I knew it was coming. I knew it was going to come out. And it was, it was a relief in some ways because it's like, guys, I told you, finally. You know, I knew I was going home. I knew I was going home that night. And, like, I got lucky to scrape through two weeks of being, you know, the number one target. So I knew it was coming and I knew the idol was coming. Josh still owes me a case of beer, actually. I said to him, if, if, um, if that idol comes out, you owe me a case of beer. I need to, I'm going to find a really, like, expensive craft case of beer oh, should ask for more than one case joy i know i'm not good at making deals i don't know if you know that george but uh yeah i knew it was coming but sort of the little cherry on top 
was the fact that he didn't actually need to play it. The votes fell in his favour anyway, so he actually wasted it in the end. But, I mean, I would have played it and I probably wouldn't have been able to hold on to it as long as he did. He's a brave man. So overall, Geordie, you had such a huge game. What was the Joker's favourite moment out there? Oh, that's such a hard one to, you know, lock down to one moment because, to be honest, mate, that whole, the whole experience has been amazing, like the best time of my life. I was just having so much fun and that was always the goal, to just come out, play hard, have fun. You know, like that, that was all that mattered to me and I did that. Like I, I had so much fun because... You know, you can see when people are not enjoying themselves out there and you can see that it's it's not a good time for them. And you can't you can't be disappointed if your goal is to have fun, you know, and, and it was and, and I did that. But to be honest, the most special moments were shared with Jesse. Like we we had times where we would be alone and say we were around the well and we're filling up our drink bottles. We would just have so many great laughs, like fantastic last where we just take ourselves out of the game and go how fun is this you know like this is the best time like no worries in the world just enjoying ourselves and it was great it was really good one last question geordie what was the most difficult thing about playing the game of australian survivor from your perspective uh for me it's i suppose it's not exactly game related but for me for my brother and i we had just lost our stepmom before um, entering the game. And so that for us was a bit of a battle. So, you know, not only were we working through the mind games of Survivor itself, but also we were battling sort of our own mind games of dealing with grief because, you know, we, it was only a couple of weeks beforehand that she passed away. So, you know, that was a real battle. But from that came Fee's Butterfly Effect, which is, the charity that we're endeavouring to start up and Jesse's doing a big charity ride from Adelaide to Uluru. So in some ways, the worst part and the hardest part of our game has brought the best part of the game for us, you know. So we're, we're, while it was a battle and it was tough, we still had fun and we're so proud of that. We're, we're really happy and we know Fee would be proud of that as well. Well, Geordie, you've got every reason to be proud of the excellent game that you played. Congratulations from me. I'm sure the rest of the panel feel the same as me. It was great to watch. Thank you for joining us today on Australian Survivor Talking Tribal. Thanks, George. I appreciate it, mate. Thank you. Great chat there. Well done, George. He's quite the character, isn't he, Geordie? Well, it was great to talk to the Joker there. He was such a big personality there, and I know that he kept everybody at home really entertained. Well, you know what that means? It's pretty much the end of this season. We're coming close to that grand finale. Season 7 of Australian Survivor only has two episodes to go and we'll find out who is your new sole survivor. Hayley, how are you feeling about having to hand over that crown? I wasn't aware that I had to hand it over. Don't I get to keep it and we can share it? We'll make a new one for the new person. No, I'm really happy um, to see someone else now take the baton and take on that role of the, the sole reigning survivor. All right. Well, we certainly can't wait to see who's going to be the new sole survivor. Do not miss a minute. The grand final week starts 7.30 on Sunday on 10. And you can also catch it on 10 Play on demand as well. Don't miss our next episode where we've got lots of exclusive Blood versus Water content just for you, only on the Australian Survivor Talking Tribal Podcast. Thanks for listening to Australian Survivor Talking Tribal. 
a Network 10 podcast.